We're in a, a series called Countercultural, and Countercultural is really a series that is designed to say that we look at the things as Christians, we look at certain uh, issues and topics as Christians in a different way to what the culture of the world does. The culture looks at it one way, but Christ has given us an example to look at it a different way. And sometimes we need to put some understanding to that to realise why it is as a church that when it comes to certain issues, we actually push back a little bit and go, no, that's not the way it should be. It should be a totally different way altogether. It should be a different way. And today we're going to be looking at leadership and how leadership should, uh, we should look at leadership differently to what the world looks at it. So as we get to God's word, let's pray together. A loving and precious God, we thank you for your love and your goodness and your kindness to us. Oh, heavenly God, we need you. We need your love. We need your goodness. We need your favour upon our lives. And Lord, will you come to us and speak to us now, even more than you have through the worship and through the prayers? Will you really focus us, Lord, on what we need to know and how we can grow closer to you? Lord, what we need to throw away and what we need to bring into our lives so that we can continue to draw close to you and glorify you and worship you in spirit and truth. So come, Lord Jesus, do a work in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God has been working on me well before I became a Christian. That's a a fun fact that we probably should acknowledge a little bit more, that God works on people way before they come to faith. And, and for me, God has always pushed me into an area of leadership. I didn't particularly think I could be a leader. I didn't think I could be necessarily a good leader. I didn't, really didn't think I was particularly good at anything to be a leader at anything. But whenever I found myself in situations, I found myself being pushed forward into a leadership role. And so I couldn't even go to scouts without being pushed forward into a leadership role. I couldn't be a part of things. And I think a part of the reason was is I was just prepared to give anything a go. And so if someone said, oh, who, who, can, who can do that? I said, oh, I can do that. I won't do it well, but I can do it. You know? Let's build a rocket. Sure, I know nothing about rockets, but let's give it a go. That would be fun. And so I find my, my, myself, and you know, that, that was in the time before YouTube where you could learn everything about everything all the time, just giving itself to go, a, a go. And, 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 uh, and I found myself being pushed forward in leadership. And when I became a Christian when I was 17, I, I had this hunger within me to, to be used by God in that way. And I used to read books and go to seminars, and, and we got the. Global Leadership Summit coming up in a couple of weeks and I've been to just about every one of them that I can remember because I wanted to be great at, at um, being a leader and, and then a harsh reality came to me in my early 20s and that, that the harsh reality is that I wasn't particularly good at it. And I wasn't particularly good at it because, well, I thought I wasn't particularly good at it because I made tons of mistakes and, and as I looked at my leadership and I said, well, God, I think you're calling me this way, but, you know, when they say if, if you're leading and no one's following, you're walking alone. If you're leading 
and no one's following, you're walking alone. So what do you need to do inside of me? And God started to show me that, that what I was leading out, I was, I was leading out of my insecurities, I was leading out of my pain, I was leading out of my struggles and my strife and, my, and, and, and I needed to get closer to him to allow him to move through me and in me uh, to become a better leader. And so when I started to lead groups of people, I, I was thinking more about what the leadership could give to me. And I was thinking more about how uh, these people could help me with the dream that I thought that God had given me. And I, and I started to think about the different ways that people could serve me. And as I look back, I'm really grateful that no one was following me. But one of the scary things about leadership is it comes with a weight of responsibility. And even during the week, I had a phone call from someone because they wanted to sort something out that they thought I'd said 15 years ago. 15 years ago. That had stopped them from experiencing the love of God in their lives. And I know as a preacher that what, peop- what I say versus what people hear can be very different. And so I had this phone call during the week about someone who had, who had heard something that was totally outside of my character and totally outside of what I'd ever say, but somehow they'd heard it. And, uh, and so again, I find myself going, well, God, where are you taking me on this leadership journey? But we're all leaders in some shape or form. We all have people that we lead. We might not want to believe it. We might not even want to um, acknowledge it. But we do. And God has a calling upon us about how we can be great leaders to bring about what God wants to do. Now most of us have experienced um, someone of influence in our life, someone of leadership in our life, that has not done a tremendously good job. It's either been a boss or a a teacher, maybe even a parent, whose leadership style has been one where they've tried to limit, they've tried to control, they've tried to make it all about them, they've tried to uh, make sure that they get in the spotlight instead of pushing other people in the spotlight, but they want to control the environment and control... uh, what's happening. Most of us have had an experience of someone who's tried to box us in and tell us what we can and can't do that limits us and frustrates us and when we, even when we try and go and work it out it seems to hit a brick wall. Most of us have experienced someone like that in our lives. And if we're lucky, we've actually experienced someone from the other end as well, someone who gives us life, who, a leader who, who looks at us and encourages us and pushes us forward, who releases us into our giftings and our skills and makes us feel like we can do anything. If we're lucky, we've experienced that kind of leadership as well. I, I had... Um, a, a very stark contrast of this when I first 
uh, joined the staff of the school's ministry group back in the early 2000s. When I uh, applied for the job, it was an interim job, I was the chaplaincy coordinator, I had to travel around South Australia and look after all the chaplains in the high schools. And, uh, and the, my boss at the time was, was a man who, who liked to be in control. And so I'd be travelling all over the state and sometimes I'd get back at one o'clock in the morning because I've driven back from Mount Gambia or something like that. Redskin lollipops are really good for a long journey, that's all I can say. And, uh, and he would expect me in the office at nine o'clock the next morning. And, and I'm, I was only working part-time, I, I, I wasn't um, there full-time, I had my chaplaincy job to do as well. And everything that I did was watched over like a hawk and everything was micromanaged. And I was thinking to myself, God, I feel that you're calling me into this role, but I'm not sure that I can live under this oppression. Maybe you've experienced a leader like that. But somehow God said, no, I want you to stick at it. And I got the permanent job, but the leader changed. And all of a sudden, I got a new leader who's still a good friend to this day. And he came in and he goes, you know what, Barry? I just want you to get the job done. And if you get in at one o'clock in the morning, get your eight hours sleep and come in and then just get the job done. So there's nothing about this job that says that you have to be here at nine and leave at five. And as I experienced the contrast between one understanding and giving freedom and leading me into a place of, of leading well and another one that was um, restrictive and controlling and micromanaging... Something shaped me uh, as, as a leader of about how to be a blessing to people instead of controlling them. But our culture has a leadership mentality, one that leaders can't do anything wrong at the moment. Have, have you realised that? As soon as a leader does something wrong, they are black banned for life. You get a politician who says one thing wrong, that's it. And every time I look at it, I go, how's that person going to learn? If they're so afraid to make a mistake at everything, how, how are they ever going to learn? But our culture these days says that everyone has to get it perfect all the time. That, that the leadership becomes about the person who is the leader instead of the group of people that they're leading. And we can see this all the way through our, our culture. We can see it just in the whole concept of consumerism and capitalism. That our culture is all about leading us into, into what companies want us to buy and want us to be a part of instead of what's good for the community and what's good for you and for me. That's why there's so much call for, um, for fast food advertisement not to be on at the kids' time so they don't get manipulated and, and put in that way. There is so much happening in our culture that says it's about what the people with money want instead of what is good for the whole thing. Now, I'm not saying that you know, communism is the way to go, but I think there's a balance between consumerism and what is good for the world and for society. So we have this, this tension in our culture that has an understanding that leadership is, is not about the common good 
but it is about the individual or about the, comp the, the corporation. But Jesus shows us a different way. He shows us that, that leadership can be about sacrifice, it can be about serving, and it can be about healing. So we're going to read uh, a little passage. It's in, from Matthew uh, chapter 20, verse 20 uh, to 28. And I think Jesus in this passage gives us some, some uh, helpful understandings of how he sees leadership and how we can lead our families and lead in our workplaces and, and lead in the different circumstances of our lives. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, uh, they the sons of thunder, came to Jesus and, and, uh, with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favour of him. What do you want? He asked. And some, some translation says, what do you desire? I like that better. She said, grab that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left into your kingdom. So when the, when the kingdom's going to be coming, and, and, and they were still in two minds whether Jesus was talking about a heavenly kingdom to come or an earthly kingdom of, of Israel taking over. But he says, whenever the kingdom comes, will you grant one of my sons to be on my left and my right, on your left and your right, seats of honour, seats of power. Who needs a mum like that? Ambitious for her sons, pushing her sons forward. And Jesus says this, You do not know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Now, the, the symbol of the cup in, in scriptural terms is saying, Can you suffer what I suffer? Can you go through the trials that I'm about to go through? If I'm leading you where I need to go, can you follow me? Can you suffer what I'm about to suffer? We can, they answered. And Jesus said, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit on my right and my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom the Father... Uh, sorry, whom they have been prepared for by my father. When the ten heard this, there's twelve disciples, two of them have come and asked for seats of honour. When the other ten heard about this, they were indignant. They were upset with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know what the rulers um, of the Gentile law... Sorry, let me try that again. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. Indeed, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be a servant and whoever wants to be first must be, a, must be your slave just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus is, is saying, the world has a certain way of looking at leadership. 
And in those days, before Jesus' influence spread throughout the world, before humility came into the world, it was quite common, quite every day, for someone to just have authority over someone and to just say, that is the way it is, your head's going to be lopped off, thank you very much, over and out. What I say, you do, and if you don't do it, you're in trouble. That was the common thing. And as Jesus came and lived and died and rose again, he birthed a whole understanding that leadership was about serving and leadership was about being humble and leadership was about encouraging people and loving people, not lording it over people. And so Jesus starts here and he says, not so with you. You can't lead that way if you're going to follow me. If you're going to have the cup of suffering that I'm going to have, if you're going to do the things that I want you to do, then not so with you. And this is a huge lesson for me. As whether I was a Christian or a non-Christian, as I tried to lead people, to, to hear Jesus say, that is not the way that you lead the way that the world leads. You've got to find a different way to lead. And as I've been meditating on it, why does Jesus say, not so with you? Why does Jesus say that we're going to have a different way? Because this is what I believe. Because when we exercise that authority over people, we're taking the place of God in their lives. And when we come to God and when we, uh, sorry, when we come to lead and we lord it over people, when we exercise authority over people in an unloving and unservant-like way, then we're trying to be God in their lives. And that's not what God wants. So how do we lead like Jesus well, first of all, I think we've got to know our place. I love this, the mum comes to Jesus and we think there's just the mum who falls to, the knee, to her knees. And when it says in scripture, falling to the knees, what it's actually saying is she's coming and worshipping. But her two sons aren't standing back to the side going, oh mum, come on, what are you doing mum? No, they're there with her worshipping Jesus. So they come and fall in a posture of submission. They come and say, we know that you are the one who can grant this, that you have authority, that we, we know our place. And so we're going to ask this request of you. And I love that Jesus doesn't dismiss the request, but asks whether or not they actually know what they're asking. So they come and they they worship and they, and they seek God's advice, Jesus' advice about whether or not what they're asking is right or not. And, and I think they should be commended for this because they're not trying to seize it, they're trying to ask for it. We can look at this and say that their motivations are wrong and you could say that the motivations of the mother is to push their kids in power and that might be all true. But what they get right is that they know that Jesus is the one who has the ability to grant this or not. They have an understanding of what God's role is and what their role is. 
And as I was thinking about how do we know our place in leadership, I think what we've got to understand that our place is not to be the place of God in people's lives. Your job as parents is not to be God to your children. Your role in the workplace is for not you to be God over those people's lives. That's God's job. Your job is to come and to provide wisdom and guidance and, and, and direction, but it's not to lord over. And when we know our place, that God is over us, then we can lead out of a heart that says, I don't, I'm not coming from a place of superiority to you. And so how do you know that you're coming from a place of humility and a place of, um, of, um, of not wanting to be God over people's lives? Well, I think humility has a part to play with it, but I think that you only really know how humble you are by how willing you are to be led yourself. See, I've met many people who, who go, you know, um, uh, uh, I, I can't stand having a boss over my life, so I'm going to go and start my own business. I'm not saying everyone who has their own business is like that. I'm just saying I've met people like that. And I go, well, that's great. But what you're saying to me is that you're struggling to be led. And if you struggle to be led, you're never going to be a good leader. Because all you're doing is trying to remove someone else's authority over you so you can put your authority over someone else. And everything you hate about being uh, uh, someone's employee is exactly what you're going to do to those who come and work for you. How humble you are is how willing you are to be led so that you can be a good leader. So how willing are you to take advice? How willing are you to receive feedback? How willing are you to allow someone to guide you and to to give you direction? If you struggle with that, then you're going to struggle in your leadership. And, And maybe that's a time to ask God to say, God, why is it that I struggle to allow people to lead me? I'm happy for you to lead me because I can ignore you when I don't want to know anything about you, you know? But when it comes to my boss or my parents, how do I... Why do I struggle to allow people to lead me? So to be humble, I think we've got to, we've got to step into the fact that we've got to be, be willing to allow ourselves to be led by other people and to grow and to, and to move into that leadership. And a part of that is not looking at our boss or our parents or, or whatever, whatever people have leadership in our life and talking bad about them. But it's about finding a way of how do you honour those people who lead you. Now, some people lead very poorly, some people lead very badly and... and uh, And it's hard to stay in the middle of that mix. But there's also a part of us that says, are we honouring those 
who lead us? Are we looking for ways to criticise? Because if we were in leadership, we would do it better or a different way. I found myself in that situation once or twice. So how do we know our place? I think we know our place by how well we're prepared to be led by others and how we honour others who lead us. The next thing I think we need to know if we want to lead more like Jesus is we've got to know the price. And Jesus says to James and John, can, can you drink from the cup that I'm drinking? Can you, can you embrace where I'm going? Can you feel the pain and the issues that are going to come up uh, if you follow me? And one of the things I've learned about leadership is that every time that God asks me to step up, I've got to take something out of my life. Every time God has asked me to be a, a better leader, I've got to give something up. And normally it's something I really like. In fact, something, a lot of the times it's something I really love. Every time. God says, I I want you to step up. I want you to to be able to lead more effectively. It comes at a cost of sacrifice in my life. Sometimes it's sacrifice of my pride. Sometimes it's sacrifice of my time. And a lot of the time it's the sacrifice of my desire. To know good leadership and to lead like Jesus, you've got to know the price. You're going to know the price that, that the, the more that you lead, the more that people are not going to like you. It's been my experience. The more people are going to misunderstand you, the more people are going to be upset with the decisions that you make. And whether you make them with the right heart or not, that's going to come. People are going to judge you, question you. And there's a price to pay. It still staggers me to this day that that ministers of religion have the highest rate of burnout than just about any other profession. But I think that as we lead like Jesus and we know the price, and we're prepared to step into what Jesus has for us and not try and control everything that happens, not try and manipulate people to do things the way that we'd like them to do, but prepared to come and sacrifice our pride, sacrifice our time, sacrifice our desires, then God will lead us into a healthier place. And lastly, I think that Jesus... uh, is calling us in this passage to know his principle. And his principle is simply this, that if you want to lead, you've got to be a servant. It's upside down from the world. It's flipped upside down. But if we want to lead our family, then we've got to serve our family. If we want to lead in the church, then we've got to serve the church. We've got to look for the benefit of those around us and not for the benefit of ourselves. 
Because leading is about taking people into a new experience and a new reality, somewhere that they can't see that they need to go themselves. And to do that, you need to come with humility and with service. Now, a long time, I really struggled with the concept of servant leadership because my examples of servant leadership have been that people were doormats. That servant leaders were basically just people that you could, you could just dish on and, and, um, and they would go, that's okay, I love you. And I've realised over time that's not what service, servant leadership is about. Servant leadership is about knowing where God wants you to go, loving people every step of the way, and encouraging them to take the next step of faith. And sometimes that means you've got to say no as much as you say yes. So, leading like Jesus leads, I want to come back to this point. Everyone here is leading someone. And I I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus' way of leading is a way of doing it with love, with boundaries, with a servant heart, and it not being about you. So stay humble. Let God lift you up. Don't go seeking to the right and the hand of the glory of the things that you want. Don't go seeking the perfect family because you're not going to have it. Don't go seeking making yourself great at work. But let God do that in your life. I love this little parable in Scripture where Jesus says that um, if you go to a feast, take the lowest spot. And when the, the host of the feast see that, sees that you're in the lowest spot, he goes, what are you doing there? Come up and take a spot closer to the places of honour. He says, but if you come and sit in the, try and f- find yourself in the places of honour, the, the host will come and will move you down. So stay humble. Let God move you up. Let God grow you in your leadership. Let God teach you what genuine success is about. Don't go seeking the right and the left. A couple of other things and then I'll close. The part of being humble as a leader is not about being jealous of others' success. And if you really want to be great at being a leader, allow God to deal with your own junk so that you can lead people from a great place. Culture uh, makes it makes leadership all about the leader. Jesus makes it all about helping people. So I want to encourage you this morning, honour the leaders around you. And lead with the honour that God gives you. And do it well. And love God and love people in the process. Let's pray together. A loving and holy God, we thank you that you lead us well. 
that you come to us in our brokenness and in our, in our pain and you lead us into a new reality of your love. And Lord, as we ponder on what it means to lead like you, to lead our families, to lead our church community, to lead in our workplace, Lord, give us a heart that is humble. Give us a heart that wants to seek after the betterment of the community that we're a part of. And Lord, can we bless it? Can you bless it? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.